Welcome to Three Devs and a Maybe, the podcast series for beginner web developers and general web enthusiasts. Now, introducing your show hosts Michael Budd, Fraser Hart, Lewis Gaines, and Ed Mann. Hello and welcome to another episode of Three Devs and a Maybe, the podcast with more chemistry than the periodic table. My name's Ed Mann, and today I'm joined <laughs> by Mr. Michael Budd. How you doing, Mickey? I'm all the better for that fantastic introduction. Where, how long have you been thinking about that one up for? Uh, well, I, I heard it a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, you know what? That is so good that I'm going to have to write it down and use it on the, on the pod. And we finally You've did not pitched it from it, another so. podcast, right? I did, not, not, not another podcast. I can't even remember where it was actually from. So I'm sorry okay. for the original creator. Uh, there probably is that hopefully there's a Creative Commons license on it that I can actually use it. But yeah, so if we've just violated all copyright on, a, on an amazing saying. Like you're not allowed to say, oh, what is it? Uh, let's get ready to rumble, are you? In the voice. Because that's supposedly... just did. I, I, so. Yeah. Okay, well, we're off the air now. Yeah. So yeah. there we go. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Mickey, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm good. Not too bad. I'm... Um... Back from a holiday, so I'm uh, relaxed and raring to go. I like it. And, and, and on this holiday, obviously, you didn't do any programming. You know, you just took it I didn't. all out. I didn't. Define programming. I didn't have my fingers on a keyboard. I, I read some books, and that was about it, really. I read. I think I read the latest uh, .NET magazine, some of it. Any interesting bits in there? Mm, I don't want to slag it off, because I... I hope that one day there'll be a full spread on free devs and maybe. So, uh, yeah, it was all right. There was an interesting bit on like React and how to do stuff. And uh, I think I was just saying to you, actually, this isn't a React thing, it's a JavaScript thing, but it was just really stupid. But, uh, you know, like the should component update method, like before I was doing like some big, horrible like comparisons between lots of different props and stuff. And like the book was saying, you know, obviously what you want to do is make it more fine grained so just check each individual item and then just cut out straight there because you want to keep that computation as minimal as possible Short circuit as like, as possible yeah. Like, yeah so obvious why am i not doing that so but now i've got like hundreds of well maybe not hundreds but maybe 50 components so i have to go through them and change that in theory i don't know how much time it's actually going to save me but like you know even if it's like a few milliseconds you want it don't you so well uh, i mean if that's per i mean if you're going to save anything yeah. per render um, or you know yeah. to not have to render it's it, you know especially for a big interface it's definitely a yeah. win uh, and what where did you yeah. go on holiday uh, i went to sunny scotland and we did actually have like <laughs> it was actually like, sunny yeah it was and i think speaking to locals we were so lucky because we actually did get like the one week the one sunny week they'd had all summer so um it could have been yeah could have been quite miserable but it was oh well, scotland's the kind of place like any weather it looks fantastic so um yeah really nice week and just Got some time to spend with my little boy and uh, and obviously my other half. So, um, yeah, Happy really days. nice. Happy days. Yeah. And getting and back into holiday. work. I, I did have actually have a holiday, yeah. I was the same pretty much week just before yours, actually. And we were trying to yeah. coincide this podcast and it was just like, oh, I can do next week. And you're like, I can't do next week. I'm on holiday. I'm like, oh, yeah, I actually am on holiday now. There we go. Yeah. Uh, true story there. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so I was on holiday as well. Uh, and I too probably did the opposite of you. I was on the computer, actually. Uh, I was not able to bring my laptop and I did do some programming, uh, just right. kind of fun stuff related. Uh, it's funny. Yeah. I always, I always intend to not do any programming, but I end yeah. up even picking up a book, um, you know, like bringing a book with me that allows me to kind of explore different things and or bringing the laptop and actually doing some fun coding things myself. And I say fun, like I talked to Amy, my girlfriend, and she's like, you know, like you're on holiday, you don't have to do this. Um, but it's, yeah. it's hard to explain the difference between code that, you know, like this is just exploratory code, like fun things, little projects and stuff I want to do. Um, case in point actually was what I did last uh, last week. It must have been no, week, two weeks ago now on holiday. So throughout the holiday, there was some discussion about anagrams came up. Um, and I was like, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how you can do like an anagram solver. Uh, so I kind of thought about some ideas. Um, I thought it'd be great use for closure. And yeah, so I came up with a couple of ideas, a couple of simple solutions. It was interesting because actually I, one thing I didn't realize was all Unix platforms or pretty much all Unix platforms, what it specifically Mac OS in my uh, case, actually comes with a dictionary, a uh, file dictionary that you can use of like pretty much the whole English language. So I was able to take advantage of that. And the way I, I did it was I the simple way, the initial case what I did was I had, so to get an anagram. An anagram is, you know, essentially what made out of these words, what um, out of these letters, characters, what words can I make in any order? Yeah. 
to get a unique ID for all that, I was able to just do sort them based on the ordering. And then I was able to just simply do like a lookup table. So, you know, I'd be able to do a lookup and then it would be able to actually... So the first solution used a hash map. So it was a simple case of just a dictionary lookup with a linked list in there. So, you know, it would say do a lookup and then it would find the word. Uh, but then actually the second one was like, oh, I'm thinking, oh, maybe we can make this more performant, make data structure wise. You know, it's very performant, obviously, with lookups and stuff. But, you know, it has to deal with storing quite a lot of data. Um, so I was thinking, all right, that'd be quite a good use for a try. So a try is a data tree data structure that handles kind of prefixes of a key. So you have a key that's split up into, in our case, characters, and then it's going to be able to split those up. And essentially it makes it both lookup and also storage more efficient. Uh, and I used that. And then there was another one I was Googling it because I was like, okay, well, those are the two solutions I could come up with. Um, and then I looked online and some guy had a really interesting thing, taking advantage of prime numbers and the fact that prime numbers, when multiplied, the product of a prime number is always unique. Uh, so I thought, well, you know, he was proposing and I thought, oh, I could do this enclosure is, you know, proposing to you, you essentially replace every letter um, of the alphabet with a prime number and then in whatever order. So the uniqueness is by whatever product, you know, in any order, you'd be able to get the same integer value back. So I was yeah. able to use that along with an imp map instead, which was a better, more performant um, hash map. And yeah, I was able to get some performance boost out of that. And I just thought I'd write it up and I've put it in a post on my blog. And yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, actually, like thinking, about it, I'm like, why did I bother spending all that time doing that? But at the time, it seemed like an interesting thing to do. And uh, looking back now, it's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. It's, yeah, I know exactly what you mean, though, because I've not had a holiday like since Christmas. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to go away from the keyboard. Must have been day one. I was like itching to do something like we have a problem don't we? we have a problem well you know it's a problem and we're lucky i mean this was a hobby for me before i it became my career so um but yeah it, you have to get away like but for me uh I, I guess for me i just wanted to get back to like some sort of theory and you i mean me and you have both been reading the sam newman book uh the microservices one and uh i you know i not had a chance to read that for a little while so i was getting back into that and uh like i said to you like I came back really pumped and, but sometimes you read these books, you think, Oh, everyone's doing stuff so perfectly. And, and you see your own hacks and you think, why am I not doing it like that? And then you start thinking like, what are the reasons why, you know, you, you aim so high to do things the right way and then you, you fall short. And it's the same old reasons every single time, isn't it? It's like, Oh, not, I didn't have enough time or, you know, or something. It was just, it usually comes out to time, I guess, or money or et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think I've come a long way, but, you know, reading the book, I was like, yeah, you know, I don't really have a deployment strategy. I'm definitely not doing uh, CI or or CD for that matter. I'm not doing anything like that. I need to come a long way with my version control and testing and that kind of stuff. But I still don't have a, you know, a really good procedure for like deployment, I don't think. So, yeah, it was really good. And and the other book I was reading is, um, it's a Postgres SQL up and running it's just one of the O'Reilly books. It's not like a advanced book or anything like that, but it's not a beginner book either. And just, I only read a couple of chapters actually, but they were like ones I really wanted to to read a little bit more about. So things like indexing and um, and there was some just some really good advice in there. I'm sure it's all stuff you can find on the web, but there was like a few queries that it, it shows you in the book, which just shows you things like, you know, uh, you know, which of your indexes are being used, which ones aren't. <laughs> Because the ones that are super, yeah, super useful thing to actually work yeah. out what is actually you know in real production code. Because that's the thing, isn't yeah. it? You you assume that this index is going to be used, and actually, when you first run it on your dev site, they may be used or your dev box yeah. or anything. But then once in production, once the data is changed, the heuristics of the data is changed, and the query planner may decide something completely different, and then you're just generating yeah. this index for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, and I know we've talked about this before, but. It's like sometimes you think, oh, it must be like really scientific ways of doing things. And actually, even the book says, like, you know, actually try this query, see if it runs faster. If not, try this other query. The bad like, box. It even says, like, yeah, and it even says things like, you know, you can actually disable um, sequential scan. You can completely cut it out. So you force it to do the, use the indexing that way. And um, just interesting things like that. And also, one thing I'd not done, I'd like loads of individual indexes on columns. And then I thought, I read the book and I was like, mm, I'll try it and I'll. I'll put an index on several, on multiple columns, see if that one's faster. And I need to benchmark it properly, but it, it certainly feels a lot faster just from what I've done today. So um, 
it's, it's, really just, it's just aid, aiding the query planner isn't it you know trying yeah. to give it as much help as possible being like oh you want to use this maybe this index because you know it's got these two already and things like that because you're always querying for that and you can do things like bitmap index scans and stuff where it will get like the index of one the index of another and then bitmap them together uh, but yeah. you know having a composite is probably still it's definitely more um performant because you know it's already got that information together but then it's less useful because you have to have both bits of information yeah. so it's that trade-off between do you want two indexes yeah. that you can use you know for different yeah. things and a bit more bit more you know leeway or do you want that one and you know yeah. probably you just want that one in that case yeah for me certainly for what my application is doing majority of the time it's going to be you know just that one set of you know columns so you know um but it's interesting and I, i've got a lot of sub queries and a lot of my queries now and the book it doesn't say don't use them, but it says be very careful with them. Yeah, that they are the um, one. I mean, it, it, for, for me, actually, like moving to Postgres was one of the things was that subqueries are better than joins in some cases, which is yeah. kind of mind-blowing coming from MySQL. But yeah you, yeah, you still have to. And I think it is just being with caution. And, and the more you get familiar with these things and the more you look at the, how the query planner actually works and stuff, you'll, you'll get an idea. And like you say, it'll be a feeling of like, oh, that's not going to work well. Well, that will work probably better. you know. And it's not yeah. an exact science, but there is definitely kind of aids out there to help you. Yeah, I definitely feel like a self plug here, but I really, I want to listen back to our podcast with uh, with Bruce actually because that was it was really interesting. Oh, I, don't think I took it Absolutely. all in. First I've listened time, to that. So. I've listened to that a couple of times. To be fair, yeah, you know, just because what Bruce was saying. Yeah, I mean, he yeah he was knowledge overload of knowledge on that podcast. It was really valuable, really valuable definitely. one. But it's yeah. interesting you say actually about like going on holiday and kind of um, you know like kind of going back to basics a little bit uh, and theory and stuff like that because I find that too. Like I find that I. Would, you know like you get caught up in the work stuff and everything like that and then it's especially i mean at the moment i'm actually working on quite a big project so you get caught up in that and then going back and kind of being able to go to like a root thing of like oh i would like to learn another language that's completely different such as a lisp like closure or i want to learn yeah. like the theory about these certain algorithms and stuff and it completely takes you back and and that's the bits you enjoy more i suppose yeah. like for fun that's the fun side of things because it's that kind of exploratory you know interesting oh i've not heard this no seen this before etc and that's where i get the enjoyment out of it as being a holiday thing i suppose which is what i try yeah. to explain to amy i'm like yeah no this is this is fun programming not the saying that programming for work isn't fun but it's a completely different kind of you know different stage where you've got stuff that you've got no deadlines no pressure on what you're learning and you're kind of just drifting off and learning things you want to learn like i wouldn't have been looking at the tries and things like that and then how to implement them into you know enclosure and finding out closure has you know a source in and get in so it actually has this ability to do multi like multi-dimensional key arrays being able to do these tries yeah. and stuff so yeah it's, it's it's what you learn and like kind of interesting things i think you hit the nail on the head though you were saying like about the you know having the time to do it like i mean i am my own boss but i still have a client and stuff and and your boss you, it's hard to turn around and say oh do you know what i didn't do any of the things you asked me to do today i've just spent all the time just taking a step back and yeah, doing something. yeah taking a step back or going down a complete rabbit hole that yeah, has nothing exactly. to do with anything and that's what's nice when you're on holiday you get to your bright your no brain pressure. gets to wander a little bit yeah that's it yeah. no pressure um yeah yeah but yeah how, yeah how are things going work-wise are you still enjoying the project absolutely love the project yeah um it's sort of meant to like a soft release meant to happen this month and i, I don't think i'm gonna be a little bit late on that but um but the client's happy with the project i absolutely love working on it and uh, it's just yeah it's really good fun but it's quite demanding in some in terms of some of the uh functionality that that we need in the application sort of like you know instant kind of updates we change these filters and we want to know the the results straight away you know um yep. and then you know optimistic updates all that kind of stuff and keeping it fast and reliable those two things don't seem to want to play together that nicely sometimes but um but yeah no i, I absolutely love it and the potential of the product is huge and that's the really exciting thing about it. I can't ever see a day that would be like, oh, do you know what? This is done. Um, I know we spoke about this with what, what you work on. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. That it's so many like different add-ons we could put on and stuff. So it's really cool. Yeah. And you've also got a little uh, news, little plug uh, for a certain Fine. website and a certain couple of oh. pictures. Uh, you know, I'm not going to let this go, bud. I, I wasn't going to bring go. this up. I just want to say this because I, I do feel like I've sold out enough. Look, but this is your right, look, bring, let, in oh, fairness yeah. right if Lou had been on here if Fraser had been on here we all would have oh. been plugging it we would all Good just say you have to go and see this because the pictures are great yeah you know uh, and, uh, yeah yeah so what, what was the website and what is this about maybe a bit of backstory about what happened here 
Okay. Uh, so the URL, I think, is 123-reg.co.uk slash vps-hosting. And basically, um, yeah, I'm not sure, actually. I'd say this. I'm not sure. But I did a little bit of um, work for uh, 123. And uh, and then we got talking, and, and they basically very kindly offered me, like, um, a VPS service for free for a year in exchange that I would do, like, a testimonial for them. And so they basically came down and they like took photos and brought like, you know, uh, video cameras, that kind of great stuff. So photos, the great well. photos. They're, the photos they're a little in. bit embarrassing. I'm oh, not it's lie. always good to have these shots, you know. Did they say you could use them on your own website or are they copyrighted? They did. Yeah, they, they did. sent oh, them obviously. Well, there you go. Yeah. Perfect, man. And so it was got... proper uh, professional photographer as well. Really good photographer. Yeah. And, um, I mean, shame he had to work with me, but, you know, <laughs> well, what can you do? You can't get the but, staff. Uh, can't get the staff. just... You can't. And yeah, I, I, I mean, I'll just say I don't usually work in a field. Uh, those photos are a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's state, great. But... You've got, it's just the perfect, you know, you've got your laptop going, you've yeah. got the two chairs. They look like really uncomfortable chairs. You're not, back you haven't breaks, got a, yeah. yeah, backbreaker chairs. And you don't look like, to be honest, that you're in a perfect, like ergonomic cool position that's going to be good for your back. Looks like you're doing your back in there. Yeah. But I, you're enjoying have, it. I have had a bit of abuse from my mates about it. Like a lot of people asking, do I really get Wi-Fi uh, out in the in the orchard? Uh, which do of course you? I do. I, you do? No. No, no. no. So 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 there Wait, is... actually you can get four G out there actually. So I could. Wi-Fi antenna there. There you go, man. But yeah, definitely guys, check this out. Good old Mickey <laughs> B. Well it's just I mean, look, exposure for your you know, your company is good. Um, especially if you have got your own company, which you do now, you know, that you I need do, to kind of I don't have a website. I don't this is that, really bad. That is probably time. something you need to invest in, maybe some time. If you had any time, which probably is quite you know, limited at, at best, is probably well, to get your own brand sorted out. I plan as soon as I finish this project to uh spend a month doing my masters, finishing that off and uh and then you know maybe do that as well nice so we'll see what happens well, you're, a, but, uh, like you're a busy guy busy busy guy always i really really wish they could invent like the the 48 hour day or something it's just crazy <laughs> never enough time is a so uh how about you you've been working on anything exciting or? um yeah i mean like so so again this big project's been really interesting actually um and very yeah. taxing kind of mentally taxing outside of work um what have i been doing got a house which is always good yeah uh, well put an offering in a house it got accepted i thought woohoo that's it you know it's like buying a car you just go and pick it up no no of course not it's uh, a long drawn out process now so we've got the solicitors and mortgage staff and all that so yeah so it's going well it's just long-winded and yeah you just have to keep on that uh, grown-up yeah. stuff that is that's they see that's another thing about going on holiday you know you don't have to worry about that and you can just start programming again and just think oh, i'm not a grown-up you know not dealing with exactly. real problems uh but yes yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> and then that's that that's yeah so that's going on and the jogging's going well me and amy are up to about nine miles now which is quite surprising to us we, we didn't think we'd be able to do that uh and we've got about a month or two left until the big race so we've only got four miles we say only we've only got four miles to do uh, left yeah you know on, on the race like you know but we're hoping what we do is get up to about 10 11 miles and then do the yeah. last two on the day will be like you know we'll be able to do it um and surprisingly it's not going too bad like we picked up this online amy found like this little plan thing because i didn't know what type of training to do you know you're meant to you obviously run but like for how long and you know kind of what type of thing like dealing with hill training and stuff like that and i'll yeah. put it in the show notes and it was essentially just yeah like a plan for like I think it was like a 13 week plan to get ready for um half marathon and we've been yeah. following it pretty much to a T and it's been working really well. Like, you know, at this time, yep, we can do that. And it's like, wow, okay. I did not realize that it would, you know, it would work that well. So all I can say is it's really just applying it, uh, you know, doing the, doing the hours and stuff and that's it. It's commitment and determination and yeah, sticking to those plans. I think is, that's is it. Hard. Yeah. I mean, that's the hard, I mean, that is the hard thing. You know, the easy thing is yeah. just follow the plan. The hard thing is to stick to the plan um but it's like i suppose are, anything yeah but we are still doing the, the free devs and the maybe sponsored marathon right in 2017 i would that's, love that's still... i would love to what you mean in new york <laughs> i would love to do that yeah i i'm yeah. not even i that is on my bucket list now is that if i can do a half marathon let's let's double that and let's do I a mean, full marathon you know i think fraser would probably just run around with like 
a pint in his hand, blindfolded. Yeah, I, I think, I think so Fraser will have him, a massive hangover uh, from an yeah. amazing, like, too many drinks on the plane, was out all yeah. night, and then he'll just rock up and do it. Oh, man. Absolutely. But, um, but yeah, I mean, other mm. than that, kind of, there's been like a couple of little bits that'd be great to kind of chat to you about. Yeah. Uh, so one thing, actually, a kind of little Dropbox add-on that I never really yeah. knew existed. Uh, and it's actually just been, I think, I think it's just been released. I'm right in thinking it's just been released. Um, because, so, so obviously, you know, house stuff and everything, documents, people like the printed paper, they like the dead tree. It's a pain, yes. you know, it really is a pain because yeah. sometimes you just want to be able, I mean, especially like with signing things, you know, you have to print it off, you sign it, you yeah. then scan it back in. Complete ball lake. Um, but actually Dropbox, and I didn't realize actually this type of technology has been around already in a couple of other products. You still print it off or you yeah. still have a print out, a letter or whatever, but you can actually scan the document. You take a picture of it and it's able to do kind of like a scan of it. So it's almost like it works out and it's really quite clever what it does it doesn't just take a picture of it and that's it it will actually generate a pdf from the text and it will actually clean up the text to make it look like it is just the the original document um and it works really well um you know like like a scan would so typically you can think of how you would do a scan it is very much the same but you just take a picture of each page and that's it generates pdfs boom that's it easy one done you know you don't have to have a worry about having a scanner and everything like that uh, really great technology. And also, I didn't realize that a couple of other products products actually have OCR support. So it can actually do the object recognition, character recognition as well, which blows my mind. I haven't wow. actually tried those yet. So, but, I, you know, that is pretty amazing, those type of things. I know that you, you with your um, receipts and stuff, you had that. Kind Wave of invoicing. Yeah, you yeah. had to take that. I mean, it's just a great thing because you have your camera with you all the time as opposed yeah. to a big old scanner. So this way, it's just quick and easy. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. The week, I, the last few months, I've had to do quite a lot of scanning and stuff, and I do tend to use my phone now more than anything. And uh, but yeah, the wave invoicing thing, I was amazed how accurate like the OCR technology is. I thought it'd be really, really flaky, but it wasn't. It hasn't been at all. It's so good. You know, literally, you just scan it in, or you know, email them this picture, and it, it literally works out like the name of the vendor, the price, the tax, all that kind of stuff. It's incredible. So good. It, it, OCR technology has, yeah, got crazy good, hasn't it? I mean, it even, yeah. I don't know, like when you go into the bank and stuff and you put, you know, even you know, be old school and have a check. And if you have a yeah. check, it's actually able to do OCR on that now as well. People's, you know, writing and stuff, which is pretty mind blowing. Yeah. And it's very yeah. accurate as well for that. And it, yeah, it just saves you a job. I mean, especially if, I mean, in the case of if you had a good document that you wanted to make a PDF that you could then have OCR on, yeah. I mean, if it worked fine, great saves you know yeah. i mean if it's for free if it essentially comes out you know you take a picture and then it's doing it for you that's great um and even you know what dropbox do which is just it kind of it kind of just cleans up the the picture uh to make it look more like it would be it was a document again uh, and it does a really good job and you can get pdfs and i just prefer pdfs especially with sending them and backing them up and making sure you've got them uh one thing my work do that i really love is the fact that they just email me my pay slips so i don't have paper yeah. pay slips because it's just a ball ache. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, like trying yeah. to maintain all these pieces of paper that you're just like, I could have this all on my computer and be easily searchable and print off if I need to. It's just such a waste of paper, a lot of stuff, isn't it? It's just so unneeded. It's crazy. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Um, and another thing, actually. So this was a blog post I actually read um, when I was on holiday. Um, yeah. uh, it was to do with um, podcasting. Uh, Marco Armand, so he's the guy behind Instapaper and a couple of podcasts, and and he was talking about podcasts, and he's been making, he makes Overcast, uh, so he's got a vested interest in this. And uh, one thing that I didn't realise, and I've always thought, oh, it's a bit of a bug. Like I find that sometimes when I'm seeking through our podcast, um, and yeah. it will come to the end, and it still has like five minutes left to play, and you're like, well, this makes no sense. How is this, you know, working? I always thought it was just a bug of. I don't know whether it's the file we're making or whether it's actually the Overcast or the podcast app. And it turns yeah. out there is actually a bug with variable bit rate. So this is what we use. We use variable bit rate MP3s we encode into or export into because that does give us very good quality for the actual size trade-off. Because variable yeah. bit rate means, you know, that bits that need more, you know, have, have more, you know, delicate sounds, more intricate sound can have that, you know, with a bit rate or they can go down, etc. like that. But it turns out that there is a bug actually in like the underlining um, kind of sound, the way that the iOS and MacOS do sound, that actually variable bit rates can, you do lose the seek and the seeking of it actually goes wrong. So right. it turns out for all, yeah, all variable bit rates. And the reason why he doesn't use it is he has to use constant bit rates, even though it does impede on both size and also quality is because of that. 
Now, I didn't realise that. So we are still releasing in VBR uh, because, I'm yeah. sorry, uh, bandwidth and all that. <laughs> and also, you know, I mean, it works. At least it works. But at least there's like a, it's one of those things where you look at it and you're like, oh, is this a bug? And you just forget about it every time and everything. And you realise, oh, there actually is a problem. There's an underlining problem with iOS and MacOS. So, yeah, they need to fix it. Get on it, you know. Come on, Apple. <laughs> but it was interesting. Like, and he went through all of it and like explaining nitty-gritty of how you do seeking and things in an MP3 with VBR and stuff. And, yeah, it's quite mind-blowing, really. Another thing, so another podcast, actually, I've been listening to. Um, so yeah. last year, I read a book from Tom Stewart. Uh, it was called Understanding Computation. And uh, really interesting cool. read. Really well worth it. Great book. I didn't realize at the time, um, and he'd only actually done one podcast at that time, but he actually has a podcast called Why Are Computers? And uh, right. it seemed that he started it, and he uh, started it in like 2013, did one episode, and then kind of had a massive hiatus until this year. It is a great podcast. Four episodes out now. First one, again, was from 2013. Talks about yak shaving. It is a great saying. I don't know. Did you, you know told me about shaving? this the other day, but I can't remember what it is. Go on. Uh, it's what we, well, it's essentially actually like what I was doing like last, uh, on holiday, where it says, it says any seamless, pointless activity, which is actually necessary to solve a problem, which solves a problem, which several levels of recursion later solves the real problem you're working on. So <laughs> it's the whole going down the rabbit hole of like, well, I want to, you know, do an anagram solver. Well, no, before I need to do that, I need to learn tries and I need to understand how to make an efficient try and all this and going levels and levels deep before you eventually bubble back up to actually solving the problem you really need to do. Uh, yeah. and, and I was looking and it was in the title and I was like, what is Jack Shaven? It's just a great way of explaining pretty much everything i do <laughs> any any time that I, i've gone down a rabbit hole i'm like i call it down the rabbit hole but really yeah it is yak shaving from like an old episode of something ren and stimply i have no idea i think that's an american ren and TV stimpy show. ren and stimpy do you know ren and stimpy yeah. oh yeah, there you go huge. It's, i think it was like was it an mtv type thing oh, i can't remember but yeah well, i have no yeah, I idea uh, but yeah so yeah. it's from an episode of that yak shaving uh shaving the yak yeah, very, very odd, but very good. Uh, but he, he talk. Uh, he, he has a really interesting format, like a couple of his episodes he's done, is that he talks to someone about projects they've done uh, and history of projects. Because it's very interesting like to work out like, you know, how they've gone, they had a problem and how they solved it and how it's kind of progressed and everything. And yeah, it, it tells really good stories, actually. There's two. Uh, the first one uh, discusses a Ruby project and a the fourth one actually discusses a really kind of like an algorithm project uh like a, a, a like a puzzle project and how he solved it which is really cool and then he also in between that has one with sandy metz um about a new book she's written uh but it's 99 bottles uh the problem of like the 99 bottles of beer and it's actually called 99 bottles of oop uh, and it's out in beta at the moment and it's yeah it looks like a really interesting read actually i'm, I'm definitely gonna have to get it uh put it okay. on the bucket list of things i need to read uh because it discusses kind of like you know like people tell you people say oh that's not good code or how to actually do it you know and, and and this is it so everybody complains about the weather but nobody does anything about it likewise everyone has an opinion about good what co- good code looks like but those opinions don't help you create it and that's it so she goes through the process of actually like developing a good solid oop solution to this problem and explaining each you know individual intricate step about you know the decisions made etc so it seems like a very interesting book you know that hasn't really been touched on that kind of thing you know we we have like the solid principles and we have the do's and don'ts but it, you know applying it to a real project or a real problem and then going through you know like kind of really kind of the map of you know like the yes no like okay we do this do this do this and working at a decision tree of what actually we did you know, trying to get, trying to codify these problems or, or trying to at least from that dissolve out of it, diffuse um, kind of, you know, rules. And that's what they're trying to do, like diffuse rules out of her thinking about how a problem should be solved. And Sandy Metz is a great, you know, her talks are great. Her, her other book uh, about Ruby is great, about OOP and Ruby. I mean, that is thing it is all written in Ruby, but, you know, it's just, it's just an OOP language. So take the Ruby syntax and just think of it in your own language sort of made me uh, think like when you're talking about like what is good code like i find that really interesting and i've been thinking about that recently myself because I, the way i think working with react and flux has challenged me a little bit in the sense that like the way i coded up my program was that you know i had like maybe these these countries that i needed to load at some point and then maybe some organizations that i needed to load at some point so they're all nice you know separated classes that just deal with specifically those things and i've used it using like restful controllers um, you know, other kind of way that 
that Laravel sets out things to do. And then, so then I've got like these events in my application where like, you know, someone's changed the date. So I now need to go and get those organizations again. I need to go and get this because everything's been affected. Now, if I make like individual calls, then I'm doubling up the time essentially. You know, even more if I've got lots of other things I need to go and load. Or I can make a specific event type action that says, well, I need to go and get this, go and get that. Let's just combine it all into one and actually target my code around the event rather than it. I'm not explaining this very well, rather than the, the different types of attributes type thing no no no. you are i mean that is a very inch so the event driven model and actually that exactly. that is something that we so event sourcing and things like that yeah uh, in the project we're actually working on um we actually are using that kind of mentality about events events yeah. are a beautiful thing because there's something mm-hmm. that it that happened in the past so you know you, you fire off an event it's happened you either yeah. deal with it or you ignore it you can't change yeah. it because it happens, yep. you know, like, so, you know, like a, a, a typical thing in the event sourcing model is, you know, maybe you have a user. I created that user. Okay. So at this time you created that timestamp, that event ID, you created that user, create another event now on top of that, which now says change that user's name to Bob. Now, the great thing about this is you can replay those events. I can give you what it is now. I can say, okay, yeah, by the way, that guy's name is Bob, but I can also give it to you what, what his name was back in the day. I can say, okay, well, actually, it was this. Now, having this event model allows you to um, store the truth for every different thing, transformation that occurs in a declarative format. And that is what Flux gives you, which is a great thing. Um, and, and that's what we're kind of using, actually, in this model, is that we have this set of events, and events occur on a prepare account, so on an account. And what we do then is we use, a sim- like, similar, similar to how Redux does it, where you have the events come in, and you do a reduction over something. So, you know, you will change your state based on our account and account, or tra- will create transactions that then affect an account based on those events. And what you're allowed to do is you're able to replay them. You're able to you know do snapshots, save up to a certain state, like the event sourcing model, where you can cache things and things like that. Uh, you know, like so you could don't get the performance bottlenecks of having to replay everything again. But it also allows yeah. you to be more declarative in the fact that I know exactly what happened, and it always happened that way. Like it isn't a change that just made, you know, like if you have a stateful, unless you have logging, which is kind of logging, you can kind of think of as kind of a a poor man's event driven model, because essentially it's saying what happens throughout time. But here's the here's the source of truth. But this is what happened throughout time, as opposed to, um, you know, in the case of like, say, what we do in, in Flux and what we do in this this model we're building is that we're saying, no, no, this occurred do something with it like whatever you want to do like how you ever want to represent this is fine but you can't change this this did happen you know we added that we did that shortlist we added that prepay refunded that prepay and things like that and it allows you to defer essentially when you do the action like what what you do with that action as opposed to just yeah. adding it and it, it allows you to have an append only model yes yeah, i i completely agree it's, it's really interesting but it just it, I don't know. It changes the way that you do it things. It completely like... bamboozles you because yeah. it, it, it feels not right. Like, you know, the typical CRUD model is you create, you re- you update. And the update and delete are the bits that you're like, well, those are impactful. Like, now mm. my truth is that. And you, you can get back to that. Like, you can think of an event source model or, or a, 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 set, a, a list of events, you know, an append-only list of events as the same thing because all you do is you apply all the events to your model and then you get back the representation the projection at the end which is the same exact you know projection you would have of that real model you really have in the real world which is you know that stateful model but you can get so much more power out of it because you can actually do things different you can say oh what happens if i remove these events and they, they never did that i can replay that history and see it again and look at what happened it completely changes your kind of the things you can do with the model and also how you deal with certain things so uh one of the things we have actually at the moment is this idea of so say like you have race conditions now the way you deal with race conditions and stuff is by locking and you yeah. know locking is a good solution you know i mean it's a, it's, a, it's a definite you know solution that you can use for it where what you would do is you know you'd say that you want to lock um so say like a shortlist comes in so for our you know for my builder so you have a shortlist so someone gets shortlist for that job well let's say then okay that so he gets shortlists we could either lock that user and say does that user have a shortlist currently for that job 
If he does, no, we can't add, add that into the model. Else, yeah. we add it into the model. Great. Okay, that's fine. That's a good way, but it's locking because it's saying I can't do anything. I'm assuming that this is always going to be this way. That you know, there's the invariant is there's always going to be one shortlist for that person, and that our locking model is ba- you know is dealing with the invariant and keeping us maintaining that this service is the only thing that allows to do it. And that's a fine way. Or you embrace the change and you embrace the fact that you could have this problem where, you know, maybe it gets double shortlisted. And what happens in the events is one after the other, because it is append only. So the, the, you know, there is a sequential order, a shortlist twice. Well, what you do is you think, okay, well, I can't delete like that's happened. You embrace the fact yeah. that that's happened, but in the reduce, yeah. in the actual reduce, the reduction, you take that into av- into account. So what would happen in this case, and what we do is we ignore anything apart from the first shortlist, yeah. and it's a great way of thinking because now, but in the case of these race conditions, where okay, what could have happened is that two people could have been shortlisted. You know, there there could be a case where you have double refunds or things like that. You're allowing that essentially in the, in the event model, but you're de- handling it after the fact and actually it's being more truthful to what's happening and it, the reason why you're able to do that and you're able to kind of deal with it after the fact is because you know all the knowledge up front if you're dealing with it in the stateful model you don't get to go back you don't get a chance to to think about it like you don't know what happened before or, or you know what happened before sorry but you don't know what happened after and in the case of a race conditions what means is that they both think that they both should do the job you know, they both yeah. should be acting on it. And it just so happens after the fact, oh, crud, they should, one of them shouldn't have. But that's why you have to have locking in and you have the idea, you know, of like a, almost like a global lock over that user saying, uh-uh, no one can do anything with this user until I'm finished. But in the yeah. case of this with events, I can, I know what happened in the history. I can go, I can look through and replay and say, okay, well, actually, we've already done that. So you don't need to worry about it. And even though the history does, uh, the events does say, oh, it's been credited twice. The actual projection we give you doesn't have that. And it takes into consideration that that could have happened. And it's a great, it's such a different way of thinking. I think that's that for me, it was mind blowing to think, okay, wow, I can actually do everything that I ever thought that you needed to have stateful stuff with just with events and like simple reductions and things. I remember that like like locking was like a swear word when I, I when I did my um, concurrency module uh, at university you know we, I remember like in java just like you know if the, if something's in this just while loop until uh, until that's finished with and then do something and uh, but there are certain circumstances where that's the kind of thing where you know what, I think you what do, can you do you, really I mean like the way that this model works is yeah. uh, append only and you require that your ID is bigger than the last event ID that is related to you. Yeah. So there is locking there in some cases, like Postgres inserting, you know, has to be inserted in, in these things, you know, like I can't have two of the same ID. So there has to be like kind of dealing with that. But that's Postgres problem. But once you've got yeah. a append only version, you then are deferring the knowledge of what actually to do with that. So it, essentially, you're always looking back at history. You're always thinking of it. It's not something that occur, is occurring now. Like, you know, mm. they haven't, you know, the shortlist action, like you'd have, you know, in the case of a state for model, you do a shortlist service and a shortlist service would actually go and change the state and say, yep, I'm shortlisted for this, for this person. Now this person's shortlisted for that job. Well, in the, in the way you think of it in events, as you think of it in the past, you think, well, they were shortlisted. So you're dealing with it after the fact. And there's a subtle change there with how you do actions and things. And you have to think of the fact that you're never actually getting the fully up to date. You know, you're getting it up to a date to a point in in some regard, like the projection. But it is a projection at a certain pace in time because it's whatever they have. You know, things could have happened after the fact. You're saying, okay, from there to there, you know, whatever happened. Um, Yeah. uh, But it's a great model. And um, I really think it's so valuable, especially for what we're doing with this kind of project where you want traceability. Uh, this gives you the yeah. ultimate traceability because it yeah. allows you to essentially go back and see exactly what happened, like what events occurred and you can see bugs. And, and the nice thing is like, you know, say that you want to do a change. So you yeah. want to do a change to it and you can actually replay all the events again to make sure you get the same state back. Yeah. So you can yeah. assert that these changes haven't broken things in the part, you know, like this again, like subtle things that would never be out. You could never do in the, in this, in the um, stateful manner because you could never actually replay history. But this, you can replay history with the same, the new updated reduction code, and see that it gives you back the same results. Meaning, it's so is the that same useful thing. for things like automated testing? You can 
put it back into that state to test it quite quickly or well, this, yeah so what you do is you can you set up a, an environment where you're just you know you've got a list of events and you apply yeah. those events and then you just see what the history the outcome is and then gotcha. obviously yeah. you've got then those regression tests because then if you do some tweaks to something it will fail an old regression you're like, oh crap it didn't work you know like now the yeah. only problem is change because say the way that we ch- we actually shortlist someone changes now i can't just change it the service i can't go all right we'll just change that implementation now because i need to take into consideration that before that date it was this implementation if that makes sense like you know i I can't i can't say all right yeah everything should just change now because it's technically doing the wrong thing because if you look at the history really the history before this date the implementation was like this the history after that date the implementation should be like this yeah so the way you have to deal with it is you always have to be adding new events essentially you know you either do it based on time base which is a little hacky or event base say anything before this event deal with it this way or thing like that or you just have a new event you know maybe there's a you know there, there should always be a reason why you're changing this like it's shortlisted with something or you know and it allows you to provide that but really the events you do once you've done an action for them you can't change that action because that action yeah you know in history doesn't make sense now yeah, what yeah. you can do and this is the snapshot thing is you can and and what it, a snapshot is is essentially what is the reduction the state of that reduction at that time you know uh, with these events applied so that's what we do so we have like you know like we say okay do these you know like every day maybe it will, it will generate a new snapshot with the you know the events from like yesterday applied to it okay fine that's all applied that's what it looks like now now what you could do if you wanted is to get rid of all the old events and just baseline it at that i mean that's one way of solving it but it's not the ideal solution that is you know kind of just hypothesizing that could happen but yeah so yeah. what you can do then is you know you, you then say from that okay apply the events the new events and things like that so yeah it, it's a great model um and and i, I hope to kind of maybe i'm hoping to like do a couple i say it was all the time but do a couple of blog posts on it uh to kind of get an idea you know to explain kind of what we did in this project because it's been really interesting uh, going through and thinking of it in this way and th- and and kind of embracing the mistakes that could happen in the events and dealing with them after the fact because dealing with them after the fact actually is such an easier way <laughs> because you have all the yeah. information like i have the information i know that two people got shortlisted twice you know you got shortlisted twice for this job as opposed yeah. to in the model of the shortlist service where i'm like guarding and being quite protected of the fact that no 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 you're not allowed to i'm locking no no one else is allowed to touch me until you know now that is quite a performance hit really as well because you're locking for no reason in some cases uh you know in this case it's like dealing with after the fact now we are providing you know you you don't want to just be like okay well then allow anything you know it does make no sense to be able to always add shortlists for things that multiple shortlists that we shouldn't allow that in the model so you know we are we do add extra kind of invariance checkers um that are kind of delivery state uh, delivery side which then allow them to you know to only display short like you know if you've been shortlisted for this job you shouldn't be able to be shortlisted again so you've already been shortlisted don't display the button but it is that it handles those race conditions that look if you ever did deal with the fact that you got shortlisted once then you know more than once then we can handle it yeah so anyone who knows me will know that basically my mission in life is just to to bring you down and find <laughs> flaws in your code right i mean that's basically what i live for and as soon as i you know complete that task then i'll just say goodbye to this sweet world but so here's a couple of questions for you uh how long does your deployment take um so it takes so we do you do one build so you have a a build in jenkins um for for master and then master passes that takes about 10 minutes once master passes it then does a staging build that's another 10 minutes and then deploy that right. actually pushes it to the service and then that takes about 10 minutes as well or so i mean probably eight minutes each actually each interval because it's doing the tests and then generate like each time it's doing things that are different you know like for the test for the first one once it's in staging it's building the assets for staging and then it's building the assets for deploy and then once it's up in deploy we then we ssh into the box and we actually then do a switch there and we just have a little command that does the deploy for that you know for that version so we can then be quite right. fine-grained of when we do it so it's about not bad. 30 not minutes bad. i reckon to get everything that's pretty good out. isn't it yeah it's okay i mean you know it could be better you know like you could get seeding have continuous delivery that once it's in master it should just go out um but we but we having that kind of global switch has been so useful sometimes and and it does happen you know we want to release something on a certain time of day 
Like I, I need, you know, I want to do a change in the morning. Like maybe it does require me to, you know, I mean the way our infrastructure works, you know, being a monolith and stuff, maybe this is why, you know, if you move to a microservice art, you can be a little bit, a little more lenient and a little mm. different, but you know, say you need to do an update to a service and then do, you know, an update to an application service and then actually do a change within the code. Well, I want to do that in the morning. So I'll do a deploy in the, in the evening, make sure it's all passing everything, wake up at one o'clock or whatever time we have to wake up do a deploy do well, do the change do a deploy and you're done like the switch you know we've delayed that deployment of that version but we've done everything up to the point of actually doing the actual symlink switch so yeah. i i value that i mean i don't know what your opinions are like do you, do you feel it should be a do you feel like cd is the complete way you know to do it where you just deliver minute it's in master it should be at, at people's desktops or do you like the whole idea of being able to batch up changes within reason Will you accept a boolean one word answer go on I'm- Yes, yes. Oh, good, good. But well, I'm glad because yeah, I thought yeah. you were going to say no, and I thought, oh, I'm going to have to cry. No. I, <laughs> I don't know enough about it to be honest with you, but I just uh, I was reading a little bit about it. But I'll give my full opinion uh, next episode. But um, oh, this is where you completely slate me afterwards, you know? No, no. I mean, I was just reading in the something he was talking about some companies where, like, you know, deploys were like two days. You know, so um, that is so quite scary. I mean, it's scary when it's within like, I mean, you, you can hear people saying like within the weeks or something like that as well, because it has to go through so yeah. many tiers. We're quite lucky because yeah. uh, we don't have like, I mean, we don't have a user testing. Like, it's, I was know, just about to say, do you have things user like acceptance that. testing? Now, we, but we do have people who, you know, I mean, us as developers, it is that whole idea that, you know, are you as a developer responsible for that code? Take accountability. You take accountability. Yeah. That's it. So, you know, it should be good enough to go out if you deem it and if it's not good enough then it's the test suite should have picked it up let's improve the well, test suite again in the book it, it sort of says you know he's worked with companies where they've had like full you know user exception testing teams but they're so detached from the code how do they really know what it, exactly what it's meant to do exactly and i think that's where your deployment strategy kind of goes into your testing strategy as well because you know yeah. the two are very entwined where you know, if you've got a good set of tests that are quick, that are responsive to the change, you know, the, the that, that are well built, that are well designed, that, um, you know, that you don't worry about, that don't fail randomly, um, yeah. you know, that gives you yeah. then that full sense of, oh, it's all right, it's not that, you know, it's just that problem again. You know, it's, it's like if there's a bug in it, it will be picked up quickly. Um, you can then have a far more confident deployment and quicker yeah. deployment because you can be like, no, pass in, right, ship it. And, and I think that's, you know, my, my whole thing where if there is a bug in, you know, if we find a bug, then you write a failing test that's, you know, that, that replicates that bug and you fix it. And that's the way it should be. You know, like, you know, if you then do that, you can be confident that bug's never going to come back again. There's always going to be bugs in code. You can't stop that. You know, I think, yeah, yeah. you know, well, in my code, there definitely will always be some bugs in my code. I'm sorry, there will be. But you, you limit it where you say, okay, well, if it does occur, my feelings, are, my, my kind of like, you know, dealing with the problem and being like, okay, I'm sorry, you know, I suck, you know, I made a bug is to say, well, at least I put a test in though that won't, you know, won't do this bug again. And that, that's kind of my, you know, rectifying, trying to rectify the problem after the fact. I'd still fire you. To well, I think, you, I think you're right too, you know, exactly. You know, gone. code, you know, debugs and code is just again i think we end up on these shows like with these really good sound bites and i think you have any bugs in your code you're fired you're fired yeah i think that's great (laughs) and alan sugar kind of you're fired yeah absolutely so uh yeah you okay you've passed this test anyway so oh uh, thanks oh that's what you told me you had no flaky tests when i when i messaged you you said your test suite is perfect right well so we do have that well 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 so we do have a shared database which yeah. can be a little bit of a pain because with a shared database, you know, essentially any state where well, we share the database, not only for tests, but, you know, it's for our dev database. So typically what you have, you know, what you'll do is, you know, you're asserting for certain things like you, you assume the world. I mean, the great thing within memory and being able to test like packages and things like that is that you have the whole world. You know, like yeah. you can say, all right, the only events that are in here are these. So the first one should be this one and the last one should be that one. But in the case where you may actually have extra infant data, you'll get into a problem where obviously the first one may not be what you expect it to be, though you want it to be, because in your ideal world when you're doing the arrangement, it is that. So there's a couple of ways of tackling that. Um, the, 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 one, the first one is to, in a transaction, wipe out all the data, clear it out, yeah. and say, make a brand new world where everything's clean. Now, that can be quite 
um, quite performance heavy because you know you may be deleting a lot of stuff within this transaction just to do something to then revert it back the other way is to be more intelligent with what you actually remove so like maybe in the transaction again like oh it's based on expires at and stuff so you can be like okay well set everyone that's currently you know expires at to this and stuff now i was a bit against that you know like it's quite an in-depth thing but actually when you're doing the tests and when you think about it like you know it's it's, it's typically on deliveries uh, or typically like in bridge stuff on stuff where you're doing nitty-gritty pdo stuff and like doing you know database stuff so you can get away with it i think like you know dealing with a command it should know that you know i'm running yeah. a command i just want to assert that it is doing the full thing that i expected it to do uh you know i've got coverage from you know the base domain concepts up but i need to make sure that the actual full it's a functional test based on a dev database that could be like the real thing so you can do that so you can do a more fine-grained transaction kind of deleting and stuff um and then the other way is to just well is to actually have then i guess a real database that's only being used for that one person and that one thing and and maybe that is a better way but yeah so that is our only kind of i would say flaw is that we have a shared database that sometimes bites us because sometimes the the build will fail and it'll be for no reason other than the fact that a test hasn't taken into consideration that the world isn't as pure as it thinks it is i guess (laughs) (laughs) Seems like a good place to end. I like that line. That's good. The world isn't um, as pure as it thinks it is. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I think we've, we've pretty much done an hour anyway, so we it's have, pretty good we place have to wrap it up. Yeah, it's been a great episode, man. It's good speaking to you again. Feels like ages. Yeah, and you. But, uh, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, audience, it's been another great episode, um, and we should hopefully speak to you again next week, or maybe the week after, because we've been quite relaxed the last couple of weeks. Uh, but yeah, we shall hopefully be back onto a bit more of a regular, regular schedule. Um, but in the meantime there's been loads of decent podcasts being released and stuff on other ones so you've got plenty of stuff to listen to Uh, anyway so audience speak to you soon and uh, Mickey I'll speak to you soon as Uh, well yeah Merry Christmas everyone yeah Uh, Merry Christmas Uh, Happy Easter just in case we have to release this in December I like it I like that with my editing skills you know it does take a while so yes Merry Christmas Happy New Year shall I just say like happy every like I don't know, festival there is, and then you've got less pressure on when you uh, release it. I think it's like, great because it means I can just cut happy it out. Easter, everyone. That. There you go. Thank yeah. you. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then, audience. Now. Speak to you next week. Bye. <laughs> Cheers. You've been listening to Three Devs and a Maybe. You can contact us at contact at threedevsandamaybe.com or follow us on Twitter at the number three, Devs and a Maybe. <laughs>